We start throwing his fastball a little bit. I just thought he did a great job. I thought Michael called a great game. I mean, I think they were attacking the fastball in the first inning, and uh, you know, I started mixing the slider a little bit more, kind of keeping between the two off-speed pitches. This is what it's all about. It's like I tell Connor every single time. All they're going to remember is how you finished, not how you started. So just keep winning, keep grinding, keep uh, doing exactly what you're doing with this team. Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, we got episode 27 coming at you. It's coming in hot. It's titled Built Different because we're going to be talking to a guy who is built different. You'll get his story, but more importantly, we're going to talk to minor leaguer of the Cubs organization, Connor Nolan. Guys, I'm excited. We're going to hear all things Cubs, all things Arkansas, and just really get to know a really awesome dude. Um, very much traveled, very big story. So let's jump right to it, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and podcasting this week. Our man, professional baseball player with the Chicago Club's organization, Connor Nolan. All right, Connor, my man, my dude, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. How about you? We are blessed. Uh, we are talking baseball with, you know, one of the best that we've ever had on the show. And I, I don't I don't say that lightly. We've had hundreds of guests. And I will say, like, we're going to get into your story and the accolades and the accomplishments are worthy of a book, my friend. So I can't wait to, to get your perspective and, and you share your story. But. I got to start, man. You know, obviously we do a lot of research when we're, when we're trying to get, you know, info and we're trying to like scour the globe, trying to get all the tidbits and all the, the magic little nuggets out there. But I did notice something you go, you know, quite frequently from the beard game to a clean shaven game and anywhere in between. So I, I got to ask, man, what is like, what determines how much facial hair you grow for the day, the week, the month? Like, what dictates that? That's a that's a great question. You know, my freshman year, I had a goatee there for a little bit, and I threw really well one game when I shaved it into that. Uh, so I just kept it rolling, and then soon found out I could grow an actual beard. So I thought it looked good. I kept it for a while. Then I clean shaved and realized that I didn't look the same. I wasn't the same person without it. You look 15, it, so I had to go right bro. Back. 15 years old without that beard i'm an age shifter that's for sure so the the question is what do you like better is it like like full like a nice thick you know nice voluminous beard or just kind of like a five o'clock shadow or you know something a little light but not nothing crazy i like it thick i mean i try to get it as long as i can i recently just shaved it off about two weeks ago and i'm I'm working back to try to get the full thing going. That's two weeks. This is like two years. It's it's a I don't know what beard oil I'm using, but it, it works. <laughs> just just the nil deal beard oil right here. Yep, here we go. <laughs> so 
you know, before there were beards, um, obviously, you know, more closer to the clean shaven route, you were a kid, man. So tell me a little bit about childhood, but more specifically, talk to me a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up. Yeah, it's a pretty complicated story. So I was born in Greenwood, Arkansas, uh, lived there till I was three. Then I moved to Tampa, Florida. Uh, that's really where my athletic, yeah, Florida boy, you like to get down in the heat, but uh, started playing sports down there. Um, really fell in love with baseball and football and uh, stayed there till I was 10. And then I moved to uh, Reno, Nevada uh, at the age of uh, 10, obviously, and stayed there till 15, played my first semester of a uh, high school football and then moved back to Arkansas. Well, let's go back a little bit, shall we? You mentioned Tampa. That's that's currently where I live right now. So tell me, like, where in the city of Tampa? Obviously, it was nine or ten where you when you moved out, but what what area? So I can kind of visualize what's going on here. Um, I think we live in like Lutz. Oh, okay, uh, a little Lutz. Isn't so that where Elko's went... from? Uh, I, have, I have no idea. No, Elko, he might have lived out there, but Elko went to Hillsborough High School. But okay, um, not not too far away. But yeah, um, no, it's always cool because I kind of get an idea of you know what the area was like, you know, you know the kind of the makeup, the demographics. But obviously, bouncing around Arkansas to Florida, Reno, went back. You know, uh, you got to have a, a support system along the way. Uh, someone to lean on, someone to just trust in, especially as a kid. So are you the only sibling? Do you have, you know, brothers and sisters, mom and dad? What's the what's the family dynamic look like? Yeah, I got a great family. Uh, mom and dad have always been the support system and uh, they're kind of crazy. Uh, they have decided in their later years to have more kids. So I have a younger sister that's seven and a younger brother that's 11. So um you know, that's the younger side of the family. And then I have an older brother who's 23. So my parents really got creative and wanted to space it out and uh, keep the house full for as long as possible. So what what is that like growing up? You know, obviously you're damn near grown and like your mom and dad, they're like, hey, man, guess what, Connor? You're not cool anymore. We're going to have another one. You know, I was a middle child there for the longest time. And you know how that goes. You're always oh. uh, either out, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then. Uh, you know, I had my little sister, Francesca, and, uh, you know, I got pushed even further back on the on the burner because she's a girl, obviously, first one in the family. So she is the uh, she runs the house to say that. So that's that's why you're such an elite player is like you were one you forgot about and you're like, man, what am I going to do? I'm so bored. Nobody like knows I'm even here. But secondly, like now you have the chance to be on the stage and get all the attention. So I'm I'm sure that's that's pretty cool. But. Obviously, you talk baseball, but man, you were a football player. I mean, I've seen the stats. So, what age did you start playing baseball and football? I started baseball earlier than football. I was probably four when I started baseball, and then uh, seven when I started football. Which one? Which one was your favorite? I always loved baseball. Uh, you know, later down the road in football, when I started playing quarterback, that's kind of when I. I uh, fell in love with it, but baseball is always my uh, my first love. Yeah, I mean, some people answer that question, you know, like we've we've had guys on here that play multiple sports, and we always ask, well, what was your favorite or 
not necessarily the one you were better at. You know, nine times out of ten, they'll they'll pick the one that they weren't as good in. So it's it's interesting for you to say, oh, you know, your your favorite is baseball, and that's kind of the route that you pursued. Um, you know, thinking more in depth. Um, obviously, you know, being an athlete, you know, growing up, you got to have some role models. You got to have some professional athletes that you're looking up to. So, you know, as a kid, who are you trying to mold your game after? I always loved Justin Verlander uh, growing up. I don't know why. I think my little league team was the Detroit Tigers, so I kind of uh, took a liking to You look like him. Justin Verlander, if we're being honest. I'll take that. You know, he has a, a, a pretty wife. She, she's pretty good looking, so pretty, if I can pull yeah. that off. She's okay. She's, <laughs> she's okay. So but, I, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, the World Series, you, you're pulling for the Astros. Yeah. I take it. Uh, I mean, I would, I would have liked to see Justin Verlander get another one. So I, I think I had to root for them. Um, you know where you know obviously the Justin Verlander, great you know role model to mold your game after. I mean, one of the the, the best in the game. Um, you know, are you when you're looking at him and you're going, man, that's what I want to do, or that's the way that I want to approach the game? Are you? In high school at the time, are you still like you know working your way up? Are you playing travel ball? What 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 age are you? I was probably say like thirteen. I mean, you could just from a young age, I can see his demeanor on the mound, uh, how he carries himself out there, and I mean, he's an ultimate competitor. So, I think if you're going to model anything, uh, you want a guy that has all those attributes. Absolutely. So obviously, you you, you picked a good guy. You, you you get the demeanor. You get it right. You end up all right. It's high school time. What high school did you, did you attend? Uh, Greenwood High School, in Greenwood, Arkansas. Well, you must be. All right, let me ask this before I get to this plethora of, of accolades. Are you like the the biggest thing in Greenwood? Like, I feel like when you walk outside, people know who you are. Is that, is that the case? Not really. We've had a lot of uh, big names come out of, of Greenwood. Tyler Wilson, uh, former Arkansas quarterback, uh, Daniel Stigall, uh, former professional baseball player, Grant Morgan, Drew Morgan. We've had a long list of, of guys. So I don't know if I crack that, that top three lists, but uh, I hope to be up there some somewhere. <laughs> well, you know what, Greenwood, Arkansas, you got some work to do because I, I can't even like normally I can like memorize for the most part the the uh, the stats, but I have to read yours word for word verbatim because there's so much. So I, I'm going to start with football. Four star prospect by ESPN and rated the number two player in Arkansas. That's by ESPN and by 247 Sports. He threw 61 touchdowns. 5,768 yards thrown. You played in the Blue-Gray All-American Bowl at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Led the Bulldogs to a perfect 13-0 record, a Class 6A state title as a senior. You threw for 304 yards, four touchdowns, in Greenwood's 52-14 win over Pine Bluff in the state title game. That's not all. Just, just, just bear with me here. You were named the Hootons Arkansas Football Classic 7A6A Offensive Player of the Year. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about Friday Night Lights and winning a state title. You were throwing all those touchdowns and, and playing, you know, where the where the boys play, playing where Dallas plays in, in you know, an amazing stadium. 
what is that ride like knowing like state championships to passing yards to players of the year, you know, awards, like what's it like going through all that? It was super fun. I mean, my high school career was some of the best times of my life. I'm I'm sure anybody that's played high school football knows there's a lot of pressure that goes with it, but just having, you know, all your friends on the same team and getting to play with those guys is, is something special. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of cool things that last year. We lost to Pine Bluff my sophomore year. So we kind of got some retribution there my senior year. And everybody's pretty excited about that one. Randy, Jim, when I think of Connor and like him stepping out like on a Friday, you know, or after the game, like I feel like varsity blues. It's just like he's just like the man. Paul like, Walker. Oh, uh, here comes QB1 strutting out. For a Saturday night, I mean, you you hit up, you know, the burger spot. They're like, "Oh, it's on us, Connor." Great game Friday, bro. Is is that is that how it's going down? It's got to, right? And I wish we normally went to the Waffle House. So I don't know if it's as spectacular as a local uh, burger place. Oh, it's better. Oh, smothered and covered. (laughs) Uh, Look, Connor, I'm gonna have to shoot you straight because me, me and Daniel and Randy, we play we play football at our school, and um, we didn't win very much. So, like, we what we did after is what actually had to matter because we knew we were gonna lose, so we had to make sure that we were gonna hit the best spots. You gotta win somehow. Well, nobody yeah. knew who who we were though. That was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all didn't see me. I just sat there and didn't score any points. <laughs> Oh man, it, it had to be an amazing experience. Obviously, you're getting to play, you know, where professionals, you know, play on Sundays. You're getting all these honors and these these attributes, you know. Was there ever, you know, and we'll probably get into this, but I gotta ask, like at at what point did you did you ever think about, hey man, like I'm just gonna do football? Like forget all this baseball nonsense. Like, I'm pretty good at this football thing. Uh, actually, my junior year, I went on a visit uh, to Arkansas and, you know, it went through the whole rundown. And I was like, ah. I looked at the weight room, uh, the facilities, uh, the stadium. And, you know, you just imagine it packed full of people. And, you know, I thought maybe I should just, you know, stick to one. But uh, we had a great baseball season. And uh, I love baseball. I, I've always loved it. So I decided I couldn't do it. As, as great as the uh, Saturday nights are for, for college football, it's hard to hard to pass up college baseball. But I mean, it's it's apparent. Like you, you made the great a great choice because I mean, it, it, it's not like you were a slouch in baseball. You were 2018 preseason All American by Perfect Game. You had a .45 ERA over your final two years of high school. Not one year, but two years combined. Like sub one, like that's un unbelievable. You were 10 and 0 on the mound and. 2018 you allowed just four earned runs and 66 innings you struck out 123 batters you walked only 14 you knocked seven games throughout the year with at least 10 k's you didn't allow a run in your final eight starts including a four to four to nothing win over benton in the sixth day state championship game you struck out 12 in the championship game in 2018 but you were also a force offensively like you not only got it done on the mound you said you know i'm gonna be otani before otani was otani and so you offensively you hit 424 four home runs 37 rbis man 
I thought you were dominant in football, but man, it, it really it, just reading through it, I'm I'm like speechless for like how good you were in both of those sports, man. Like, how do you balance it all? I mean, is it just you you contribute it to just working hard, or was it something in particular that you did that was different than everyone else where you were able to excel in both of those? It just worked hard. I mean, I was always pretty gifted, um, you know, arm talent wise, but everything in between that, you know, pitchability, um, you know, reading defenses, all the stuff, the intangibles that you know, don't really come easy or natural. That's where I really dedicated my time. And in the weight room, I think that's really what separated me. Well, man, you know, I was a pitcher throughout my career and, you know, pitcher to pitcher. I, I don't think people understand how difficult it is for that you know that strikeout to walk ratio to be so dominant in your favor but you know what was it that you did would did you just attack hitters or were you trying to you know keep guys off balance were you trying to throw multiple pitches for strikes or were you just trying to establish dominance on the inner or outer half of the plate like what is it that you did that allowed you to have so much success I think I just I threw a lot of options at people. Um, you know, I had the slider, curve, fastball, and uh, that really provided a lot of a lot of answers for any anything that they could provide. So I just mixed it up in the zone and attacked everybody. I didn't try to nibble anywhere. I just went after people, and if you start getting aggressive uh, during that period, it you know strikeouts come with that. Absolutely, man. So you get to a point where this this whole resume of stats and accomplishments you know starts working in your favor at what point do you realize like college is a high likelihood and a great possibility um and i guess more more so like into that decision was football ever a factor in trying to do both or one or the other or did you just go i'm just going to go to the best school and whatever sport that is that's what i'm going to do uh I don't know. There's a lot of things that went into it. I got recruited pretty early. Um, you know, going into my sophomore year, I got my first offer. Uh, so I knew it was on the table and that's what I wanted to do. But um, I decided probably end of my sophomore year that I was going to play both uh, and started getting interest from baseball. Um, but the thing was, when I was getting recruited for football, none of the baseball teams would really touch me because you have to go to school on a football scholarship if you're going to play baseball or try to do both. So I was running a fine line there. Of, of the recruitment process so obviously you you narrow down you know the schools but you know i guess give me the top three schools i mean obviously arkansas is in the mix you're an arkansas guy um you talked about going there but like what other schools were options i love northwestern that was a big one for me and the north carolina so I, I really stepped outside the box. I know Northwestern's probably not the best baseball school or, or football school, but, um, you know, I was thinking more. They had a, a good business program, and uh, that was more of a long, uh, you know, looking in the mirror and you know, seeing what I could actually do on the side of business. And North Carolina, they got a great program, a great baseball team. So I really loved my visit there. So despite the love and, and the programs that were offered at these other schools, what was it about Arkansas, and wh why did you inevitably go, that's the place that I'm going? I, it took me a while to figure it out. I wanted to check all my boxes off, but once I saw everywhere else, I just knew that 
you know, Arkansas has everything I need. We got great fans, uh, great school, and we have private jets on the baseball team that can fly you back the next day. <laughs> so you can make both pra practices. So, um, you know, we, we, we always charter planes uh, for our way trips. So that made it really easy during spring practice. I could get back and make sure I didn't miss any time. And that was a big factor for me, just a time management wise. Yeah. I mean, people talk about dual sports when they're in high school and here you are doing it at the highest level where, you know, in the best conference in, in the country. So, Getting into football a little bit. So you play in four games in 2018 as a, as a redshirt freshman, completed 21 of 42 for 255, a touchdown and two picks. You even got to start the October 20th game against Tulsa. So not not a whole lot of playing time, but you did have a start in there. You only played that one season. So talk to us about what that was like. I mean, you mentioned kind of the traveling back and forth of charter. I really do feel bad for you. But what was that like and what did you learn from that process? Uh, it was a tough year. I mean, our football team was struggling that year. And, uh, you know, me and one of my friends, John Stephen Jones, we were kind of the backup quarterbacks to the backup quarterbacks. So when stuff wasn't going right, we get in there and be the tackling dummy for the other team. So, um, you know, we just tried to take our opportunities and run with them. But it teaches you how to lose at some point. You got to learn. I mean, uh, not losing isn't fun. That a lot. No, that was my first time just struggling and not knowing how to fix it or what the answers were. So. Uh, that's a learning experience, and it takes a lot of time to to figure out how to make adjustments off of that. Yeah, so back into baseball a little bit. Freshman year, you make the SEC all-freshman team, perfect game freshman All-American, and you pitch 78.1 innings, 3.5 record, 4.02 ERA, 55 strikeouts, only 14 walks. So really solid success there. So after a season, you decide I'm going to focus completely on baseball, stop playing football. And you kind of you talked about, you know, the the struggle and what you learned from it. But how do you come to that decision and how difficult was you, was it for you to give up football? It was a tough choice. I mean, anytime you play a game for so long and you have to you make a decision to give it up, it was definitely not an easy one. But, you know, we went to Omaha and uh, I kind of saw the success that I was having and where I could go with that. And I decided that if I focus all my time, all my energy and an effort into baseball, then uh, that would be a future, um, you know, possibly career for me. And, you know, once I made that decision, I just ran with it. No, absolutely. So sophomore year, obviously that COVID shortens the season. Uh, but want to at least talk about the opening, you being the opening day starter, you punch out 11 and you get the win over Eastern Illinois. So how good did it feel to be the, not only you're the opening day starter, but to dominate that game the way you did? It feels good. I mean, you always never know what those, um, you know, those opening weekends or any opponent that's, you know, maybe a, a lower level than the SEC. So you always struggle to figure out, you know, what they're going to be like, what's going to happen. So it's always good to get out there and get a win and, and feel good about the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he talks about the COVID shortened season and, and we don't got to go there because we've talked to every single athlete. We know how tough that was. And, and the the adjustments that you guys all had to make, so it, it it just leaves everybody hungry, and it also leaves some you know tough decision makings within the program. You know, guys staying going, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, you get into junior year, um, you only make nine appearances, primarily out of the bullpen. What happened between that sophomore and junior season that led to this? I was just injured my junior year. I had a lingering issue with my forearm, and uh, didn't really know what was going on. And I tried to tough it out there in the beginning, and uh, shortly found out that I couldn't do that anymore. So uh, I had to shut it down and, you know, trying to re revamp yourself and get back to 
the condition you're in in the middle of the season is is a tough regimen, and um, I try to do it, and I've had little success, but um, you know that's how it goes. Sometimes you you just need one moment, really. Right, and this is and this was just a physical therapy thing, no surgery or nothing like that, right? Correct. Yeah, just a muscle. I guess it was a strain on my uh, on my forearm, so wasn't too bad. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, it's a it's a major transition though with uh, battling the injury. You know, you're coming out of the bullpen, but you know, you earned your first career save, uh, punching out four and three hitless innings of work against number twelve Ole Miss at the SEC tournament, helping the Razorbacks win their first SEC title. So, talk to me about this game, just how good it felt to get that save um, to beat Ole Miss and and be a part of Arkansas winning that first SEC title. Yeah, that was a big moment. I mean, I was coming off one of the worst weeks of my life at OSU. I gave up, I think, seven runs and point uh, two innings. So I uh, had some doubts about myself and didn't really know where I was going to fall. So, you know, I got the call in that game and I was nervous. I was losing it in the bullpen, um, but, you know, it started to click in there. And I just wanted to help the team. Uh, I felt like I wasn't carrying my weight the rest of the year. And, um, you know, in that moment, it just felt like the right time to uh, figure it out and try to help us win. Yeah, no, that that kind of stuff amazes me. You know, Daniel talked about he was the pitcher. I, I didn't play baseball, and I, and I sure could have never been a pitcher because the ability for you guys to be able to have a short memory and bounce back is just is unbelievable, man. Like, I mean, the next time I would step on the mound, I would be so stressed out, so nervous. But you come out there and you, you know, absolutely dominate. You put it, you put it in the back burner and do your thing. And so, you know, commend you for that. And and I, and that's what makes, you know, great pitchers, you know, amazing is the, your ability to just have a short memory and bounce back like that. Um, so let's talk about the team as a whole for a second. You guys clearly the best team in America didn't lose a single series in SEC play, which is just unheard of. Um, just how much fun was the regular season? And specifically, give me your favorite series. That's a tough one off. Uh... You know, that, that team was so fun. It's just, I'm seeking an answer, and, Connor, and if you have the right answer, you'll be my best friend. Well, my answer might be a little different because I think the Alabama series oh. uh, at home. So they beat us 22-0 to zero or 22-3 to three in the first game, and uh, there's always, like, the defining moment in the season where it's like that's where it's all turned around. For us, that was the game where it was just like you get your teeth kicked in and you, you turn over the page and it's a whole new year and we – running it out to number one until, you know, pretty much the end. I believe in second chances, Connor. If you want to say Tennessee to mess with Randy, you can. Uh, I mean, that one was fun, too. Uh, <laughs> no, me, that, that's a second favorite. Let me tell you something. My, my man Randy calls things right a lot. And he said after that series, you know, this is the best team in baseball. He said there was no doubt they were the better team. And, and he's not one of those guys that's going to, you know, be salty about it. And and he, you know, he knew going in what what they were going against. And uh, so he he tipped the cap to y'all. And he actually, you know, was was rooting for y'all to win it all if it wasn't going to be Tennessee, I, I'll admit. I mean, they had like that secret weapon dude, you know, call the cops. I mean, it's un, <laughs> un, un, unhittable. Unhittable. 
Yeah, I tried to. Hey, Connor, I'll be honest with you. I tried to defend that Landon Sims, my boy, all season that. long. He did, Connor. I ain't gonna lie. He at the end though, he came correct. I, I had once, once cops comes in and and you know goes from closing a game to pitching a whole game as a starter. It was like, what what do I have anymore? I, I got nothing. Like me and DB were like, all year. We're like, dude, that's the guy. And he's like, man, no, my boy. And he wasn't like dogging cops or nothing. He was just like, no, nah, man, my guy landed. My guy landed. We're like. I don't know, dude. But then finally at the end, he was like, all right, I never say I'm wrong, but this guy's the truth. Yeah, he that was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Every week, week in, week out, you put him on the mound, you're just like, all right, when are every we going to win? Day. <laughs> Not even week, it was like every day. Hey, close this game, start yeah. this game, mid-relief this game. It was unfair. Yeah, yeah. Con- Connor's sitting there just trying to get his arm right, talking about, you know, working through the pain, and this dude's just out there throwing every day like a machine. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's one of the things. We would sit down in the bullpen. And we'd all be down there. They wouldn't send Kevin down there until about the, the fifth or the sixth. And we'd be all getting ready and getting ready to go in the game. And we'd see Kevin running down there just looking like he's on Baywatch, just running down. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we're not going in. <laughs> so you guys losing the Super Regionals to NC State after being, like I said, the, clearly the best team. And y'all even put an absolute beat down on them in game one. Um but it just shows, um, you know, how humbling baseball can be and how anything can happen. Um, you know, we're obviously talking about the Kevin Cops thing, um, and and I wanted to touch more on that. Just for you as a guy who's been out of the bullpen and been a starter, um, but for him who's primarily been a closer, like just how cool was that to watch him be able to go out there and start that game three and be successful and go, you know, as far as he did? Uh, it was just I, – I think I speak for everyone. It was just unbelievable. You never know uh, what you're going to get in a game three when you have no starting pitching left. And, you know, the plan started out to be we were going to start Jackson Wiggins and then we bring Kevin in in, like, the third. And then you get to the, the field and you see his name as a starting pitcher. Um, but just you sit back and you watch and he's just dominating, cruising. And then he walks down in the, you know, the little tunnel in our – at our field and he's just crushed. I mean, he's physically drained and he just goes out there every inning and gives it his all. So um, just the determination and want to win from him and trying to put the team on his back. I mean, there's no better way to do it than take a guy that's from the bullpen all year and stick him in the starting job in the, the biggest game of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So y'all got one of the best coaches, if not, you know, the best coach arguably in, in baseball and Van Horn. Um, you know, what's what's the emotion? What does he say to you guys after, you know, everything y'all had accomplished and then you guys come up short? What does he say to y'all, you know, afterwards? I mean, we he pretty much just reminded us we gave it, a, you know, everything we got, but that's baseball. You're not going to win them all. And uh, even if you feel like you should, the game's going to humble you in a, in a way you didn't see. So, you know, even with a heroic effort like Kevin, I mean, that's that's how the game goes. You can't score score runs, and the pit guy, you know, pitches nine innings almost. It's kind of just one of those things. Are you a are you a superstitious guy, Connor? I'm not. I'm a little stitious, but I'm not superstitious. <laughs> the, the, re- <laughs> the reason why I ask is because you know, especially we're going to get into the to the slip past season, but with what happened with Tennessee and with what happened to y'all, that whole number one ranking since 1999 thing, are, are you starting to believe in that at least? I think that's has some truth to it. That's got some weight. It's a, uh, it's little, a trend little at this point. 
Yeah, so I, I've made many comments to many guests. Uh, I tell them, make sure you don't finish the season with that number one. If you're number one going into that final weekend, get swept. I mean. We'll see ya. <laughs> so senior season comes, man. Y'all are hungry. You know, y'all came up short. Um, you personally, you went eight and six with a 3.65 ERA and 116 innings pitch with 113 Ks, 34 walks. Um, I want to get to the two balls hit off you first. This is something I've really wanted to talk to you about. Uh, like it, it really just showed Connor, if anybody ever questioned that you were a tough football player and that you were good, it's the way you took those baseballs off you and just kept on trucking and playing. And I mean, um, I, the one you end up throwing the guy out, right? Correct. I, yeah, I got both of them out. You got both of them out. Okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I knew you got one for sure. So talk to me like about just the adrenaline rush. you like, you get hit by a ball and then you just turn around and keep playing. Like, is that, is that coming from a guy who used to play football or is that just the, the ultimate competitor in you? I think it's just a competitor. I think the football helps, but you know, it's one of those things. Your adrenaline's so high and uh, the game's going so fast. I got hit in the forearm the first time and I, you know, I picked up the ball again through my warm up pitches and, I determined I couldn't hit the strike zone. So <laughs> I I kept going, though. It was one of those things where they were going to have to come get me off the mound. I wasn't going to go out there myself. So um, I think that's just how everybody should be. Obviously, if you're hurt, I probably wouldn't stay out there. But uh, you got to have that dog in you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And the, and the dog you had. Um, you know, one of the guys I want to talk to you about, we had Michael Turner on the show, and he just dis- – played his intelligence for the game and you know with him being the catcher behind the dish for you all year just talk about that relationship and what it was like to have a guy who did have that intelligence and did have that veteran um you know leadership it makes a big difference when you have a guy that can call a full game and you know he he might look over to the coach one or two times but uh, he has that confidence in you and and your stuff and he's just calling you to execute pitches it makes it so much easier uh, you know, when you're getting in a flow, he's putting the signs down. Uh, it's more just a rhythm thing at, at some points. You know, you're just going at a, a good pace. So he did a great job. He knows the game. He knows what's going on. And uh, as a catcher, you're kind of like the quarterback for the whole team. So I think he exemplified how to what's, do it. What's the meanest thing Michael Turner has ever come to the mound and told you? <laughs> that guy, I, that guy doesn't have a mean bone in his body. <laughs> he's yeah. never said anything. But Coach Hobbs, he'll – He'll, uh, he'll let you know on the mound. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, talking about not saying mean things, uh, you know, I want to talk about uh, our, our little bro on this show, Brady Tiger. He's a three-time guest. i uh, been watching him throw his fills since high school. Um, you know, uh, try to talk him into LSU, Connor. He wasn't interested. He was Arkansas through and through. I even covered his signing day, tried to give one little pitch, uh, he wouldn't do it, but, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you about his outing in Omaha against Ole Miss. Um, with you being such a veteran guy and him being a young freshman, um, what do you say to him? You know, what, what were your words of wisdom to him after that performance? Uh, I mean, it was tough, obviously, everybody that remembers that game, but I just went into the little tunnel and I just told him that Zach's got him. I mean, this is a team sport. We're here for each other, and if you don't do it, somebody else will. Um, and there's always going to be tomorrow. It's a long tournament in Omaha, and if nobody, if you don't pitch well the day before, you're going to have another chance to bounce back. So just let them know that everything was all right and to not get down. You know, you just want to keep spirits high in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he definitely wasn't scared. He texted me that night and said, 
I better get in tomorrow. Like he's like, I absolutely want it. So it, you know, it's just yeah. it's a bad game. Like we said, baseball is a is a humbling game. But you know, back to you. What was uh, you know, before we get into the postseason stuff, you know, what was your favorite? Uh, you know, just like I'd asked you before, what was your favorite series? Maybe your favorite game of the year in this particular season? I thought our A and M series was was awesome. Their fans were uh, crazy. I mean, they go. Bananas. Cra- I do crazy crazy is a little nice word i heard from some of the parents uh, uh, some other words yeah there's a <laughs> lot of words for it <laughs> uh they you know they get after you pretty pretty good and i love it i mean i love when fans bring the energy they're passionate about it and they'll say anything to your face and not be scared about it so um you know i got up to all, all 10 i think in, in the game i threw and i just love the energy they bring down there yeah, no doubt. And I mean, they're a really good team and obviously a team that would punch their ticket and go to to Omaha with y'all. Um, you know, so postseason this time, you know, it's different. You know, you're not the the hunted anymore, you know, um, like you were the year before. And um, and you got to travel and go on the road. So talk about that experience and and how y'all were able to be so successful, you know, in a in a different element as a, as opposed to, you know, the way you did the season before. Yeah, we kind of embraced going on the road. Uh, we kind of you kind of have to be the bad guy at some point uh, when you go on the road, uh, you know, when you want to beat the higher seed that got the the host. And we kind of just took that mentality into Oklahoma State. Uh, we knew they were a good team, but uh, we knew if we got hot at the right time, uh, everything started to clip, we would, we would be fine. And we wanted to beat somebody on their own field. As bad as it sounds, we had, we got beat uh, in 2021 on our field and everybody's crying and, you know, doing that. And we kind of wanted to take that mentality and we knew that feeling and we wanted to go do it to somebody else. <laughs> oh, that sounds wrong, man. When you put it that way, uh, you could have just left that I out. That's bad. <laughs> so y'all punch the ticket, you get to Omaha, man. Obviously you'd been there before, but this is a little different, man. You know, um, obviously, you know, with it coming up short season, did, did it feel different from the first time? It felt very different. Uh, I think, you know, both years that we made it to Omaha, we didn't really – nobody expected us to be there. Um, but this time it really felt that way, and uh, we kind of had a miracle journey through uh, regional and super regional, just crazy games, crazy atmospheres. And uh, once we got there, we had a lot of confidence. I mean, everybody was ready to play and locked in, and we weren't ready to go home. Yeah, speaking of ready to go home, let me tell you something, brother. I'm, I'll tell you when I met your dad. It was the Stanford game y'all didn't want to stop scoring runs. I never thought that game would end. Like, as like, you know, I was like, I was wanting to get out and get something to eat and tailgate between the next game. And I was like, I started getting hungry and hungry and I started meeting all the, the parents. Cause you know, like, like, I think even people start getting to the point where like, I think even Arkansas, as much as the, the, the fans and the parents loved it, it's like, okay, you know, we're just, we're just dragging this thing out, man. It started to get real ugly. Like, Man, what was that game like just watching? Like, did you kind of feel bad at any point or you just – how'd that go? No, we didn't feel bad, but <laughs> I was ready for it to be over. I was like, guys, we're up by 15. Let's just start swinging over the top of balls or do something. I mean, do something different. Uh, and it just – every inning, scoring more runs. And it was hot that day. I mean, it it was probably touching 105, 106, heat index-wise. And I was dying because I was out there, you know, on the mound. And then I'd wait in the dugout and – it'd be just as warm in there. And I was like, guys, let's speed this thing. <laughs> and, and that was the best thing because the, the parents were sitting up underneath the awning section and a lot of them were standing up. And so I, the, you're talking about the heat. I didn't even go sit in my seat that was down in the sun. I was like, I'm gonna go stand up here with them. It's, it's a lot better up here. 
Um, but you know, let's get into the game, man. The the you know, eight innings that you pitched against Ole Miss. You know, we had Dylan Delush on here, and man, he tipped the cap to you. Uh just talking about the pitcher's duel. What's it like for you on the biggest stage, you know, in the biggest moment like that, going against a guy who's shoving on the other end, you're doing your thing. Like what, what's it like, you know, having that kind of intense, you know, matchup going on? It's just an out of body experience, really. I mean, that's one of those games I look back on and uh, that's like the ideal baseball game that I, when I think about something, um, you know, you're just sitting out there with another pitcher and you're just going head to head and the best man's going to win. So, you know, looking back on that game, we both were just cruising through and I hit a little rough patch and he just kept going and, it was kind of just whoever gave out first, they were going to win. So and that, mean, that's, and that's, that's what happened. <laughs> and that's what he said. That's He said the exact same thing you just said. He said it felt like whoever made the mistake. And, you know, he felt like he couldn't make a mistake because he didn't feel like you were going to make one. And so, I mean, that showed how dominant y'all were because y'all were putting the pressure on the other guy. Yeah, it was a lot of pressure going into that game, too. I'm sure he, he probably felt it, too, but. Uh, you know, before the game that night when I knew I was going to start, I was sweating. I, I was sleeping in bed. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> it was nerve-wracking, that's for sure. Well, man, I'll end on this. Uh, you know, even though the ride came up short, you know, y'all's team, like you said, you, you you played with house money. You weren't the same team that you were before. You exceeded expectations. Uh, you took the fan base on a ride and even in that game and a loss you uh, I mean you gave everything you had there there was nothing nothing left behind and so I uh, mean just shout out to you shout out to that team um for for a magical run you know it didn't it didn't end in a championship but man uh what an exciting season nonetheless no, I appreciate it it was a good one I hope that's one to remember in the in the books for Arkansas no absolutely so Let's kind of moving on from, from the sad stuff. Season's over. Drafts right around the corner. How much time do you have to, like, let that kind of soak in? You got to kind of get over those raw emotions before kind of chaos starts and you're moving into where am I going next? I probably had three weeks there to really sit down, relax. Um, it moves so fast. And they even pushed the draft back now. But uh, it's still a quick turn on when you play that long at Omaha. Yeah, absolutely. So when you you take those three weeks off, are you still working out? Are you playing golf? Are you playing video games? What's going on? I was playing golf. That's about it. I mean, I I worked out still. That's just part of the the routine. But I was just trying to kick back, relax, and rest the arm. Absolutely. So you're playing golf, man. What 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 was shooting, man? Like like mid eighties, triple, triple I think, digits. I think. Oh no, not not triple digits. Some days. I mean, there's some bad days out there, but I'm probably mid eighties, high eighties on a on a typical day. Okay. So there's okay, something I could probably beat you in I, something I, then. Okay, good. I, I have a I have a feeling <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I have a feeling that this is like when those guys tell us that they're good at basketball, but then we find out later down the road that they're really not. Uh, is this one is this one of those times nobody, where you're, no, you're saying no no I, I, Nobody lies about uh, the high 80s and then says sometimes triple digits. Okay. If you're going to lie, you're going to be like, oh, no, nah, man, I'm up for seven. And, and you didn't scour yeah. the social media enough. There's plenty of times of him golfing, so I know he's out on I, that course. You know, um, there there was golf out there, but I'm I'm going to be honest. I went right past those those links. <laughs> well, there's when, just so much content for Connor, yeah. man. We got we got to pick and choose here. But so, yeah, so listen. Good. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm going to look up your TikToks here in a minute. So, <laughs> no. draft night, where were you for the draft, and who was with you? I was just at my house. My mom 
my little brother, a little sister in town, uh, grandma, grandpa. It was pretty, I mean, low-key event. I mean, I really didn't know what was going to happen. And we weren't just sitting there waiting around. We went and ate and then uh, got a call in the middle of lunch and had to rush back home to kind of get everything figured out, flip the TV on. Yeah, so you're drafted by the ninth round by the Chicago Cubs. I mean, talk us through. Obviously, you got to go home. You said during lunch, but how awesome of a feeling was it? And and who called you, man? It was. I mean, tell us tell us the story. Walk us through the whole thing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I got a couple calls uh, the first day, and it was, you know, everybody just trying to offer you twenty five, twenty five grand to to go in the second round, and I'd turn those down. And I got to the next day, and uh, you got a couple calls, but nothing that really piqued the interest. And I actually got called by the Cubs earlier and uh, didn't take it. And, and then I got back on the phone with the regional scout in the ninth round at the same time as I had the, the Cardinals on the phone. So I'm sure a lot of fans around here that love the Cardinals are probably a little mad. Oh, but I am pissed. Uh, we are all three be... Cardinals fans, my guy. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good thing this interview is, is 90% done. <laughs> we, well, we... see, I, I can't make everybody happy. I'm trying, but you're doing <laughs> a great go, job. I, I had to go with the Cubs. Uh, love the organization and thought it was the best fit for me. So, uh, you know, just a big relief after you get done with that phone call, kind of get to sit back. I had about, you know, a whole round of wait before my pick was actually called. That's how far ahead they were. So, uh, had a little suspense because you never know if they're actually going to call your name or not. <laughs> You might get a little curveball in there. So once it happened, though, just got to celebrate with my family. Yeah. I was to say, yeah, I, I'm not going to throw any names out, but I know a couple guys that did happen to, and that's man, I couldn't imagine that feeling, being told that you are, and then the name isn't called, and there's been a change. Connor, yeah, you... I was going to add to that. Like, obviously, you told them no earlier on. Did you? Was that in the back of your mind, like when you're thinking, oh, they might change their mind? Like I already talked to them and told them no, and maybe they're like, oh, forget this guy. Well, I I didn't think they'd do that, but it just gets down to the point where – I don't know. I, I, I heard that, stories about them Cubs, man. I, <laughs> it's just it, – nothing's written on paper, so I was uh, a little skeptical of if it was actually going to happen or not, but um, – I'm I'm glad it did. It was it was long awaited, and sitting there for two days is tough. I mean, that's a long wait. Well, absolutely. So after you get drafted, where where do you have to report to? And 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 all of the content we did find on you, I did not see any official stats. So where you been pitching, man? Uh, I went out to Arizona. They had all the draftees out there, and we started training. Uh, but I, they weren't going to ship me out. I didn't throw any innings. Uh, I just did bullpens because of my workload during the college season. So they kind of shut me down and uh, just let me work out, and, um, you know, really just work on developing pitches and bullpens. When they, when they tell you, Hey man, you, we're going to shut you down. You've pitched enough. Is that disappointing to hear? Is it like, are you, you fearful because like you're now there, you feel like you got to show something like what, how does that work? I was relieved. Uh, I mean, I put a lot of work on my arm this year and, uh, you know, I was kind of ready to just shut it down for a little bit. Uh, you know, typically I wouldn't start throwing until uh, late September, and I was out there in July throwing again. So I was ready for some time off, and I was glad that I wasn't going to put it in, in a situation where I was having to 
go out there and maybe overextend my body. Yeah, looking back at it, Daniel, I had to look at the stat that I read. He had 116 innings under his belt that season, man. One one inning more than cops, and he was a closer. <laughs> yes. No, I, I kid, man. It, it's really unbelievable, man, like just the, the journey and, and how good of an athlete you were, how good you were um, at multiple sports, just the ability to play at the highest level. Um and continue playing, you know, the game that you love at the highest level, man. It's pretty, pretty damn cool, man. Do you ever sit back and go, do do you ever just sit back and go, man, I'm, I'm really lucky. Like I get to do this. This is my job. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunities that I've had and where I've been able to take it. I mean, I think a lot of people don't um, see, but you know, we have so much influence as athletes and uh, so many people that look up to us and, there's a lot of people that would want to be in our shoes. So I'm just thankful that every day I get to wake up and I get to play baseball for a living. Well, you know, great story, but you know what else you can be thankful for? You, you get to play a game called this or that. A hundred, 150 people have been asked a, a plethora of these, this or that questions. I have a feeling this is going to be, this is going to be a good session. So I'm, I'm, I'm in. All right. So it's very simple. I'll give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Got to be decisive. Sh- straight to the answer. Tell me what's on your mind. What's your passion about? What, what you're feeling in your heart and your gut. And go with that one. All right. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Just just pick one and go with it. All right. All right. Here we go. Softball question to start. Barbecue or steak? Steak. Kind of steak. Is uh is Connor Nolan? Is he like a porterhouse guy? Is he a fillet guy? Like, what do you what do you get? It just depends, fillet or or ribeye. I mean, two good choices. Just depends. I just need to know how it's cooked. Anything other than medium rare is wrong. Hundred <laughs> percent correct. God, how do so many people eat their steak wrong? My because God. we're not communists, Jim. <laughs> how do how do they eat their steak wrong? Yes. Jim likes leather, like a baseball glove. <laughs> this is, is this horrible. is so Con- Connor. This might shock you, but like that's a typical Jim answer when he's like, everybody else prefers it this way, but I'm right. Like they they are all wrong. He's I in mean, his own category. Hey, <laughs> just like I'm just gonna tell you guys, man, coffee was better with mayo. I'm gonna go there again. That is that is almost as disgusting as like well done steak yeah. <laughs> who does that yeah. is that will will leave us that does that and, and i did it because he did it just to to have fun with it and these guys have been disgusted with me ever since yeah. was it actually good yeah i actually thought it was better than regular coffee because i don't like regular he hates coffee. regular coffee he can't be trusted connor <laughs> mean, man wow. just told you he likes well done steak yeah that's yeah. got some shock factor with it <laughs> it's got some dumb factor with it that's <laughs> that's that's what it is I'm an it's LSU just, fan, man. We're wild. What can I tell you? I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, no, Connor. It LSU that puts mayonnaise into their coffee. No, they put no. bourbon in it. Yep. <laughs> At least that's normal. Yes. All right, man. So would you rather go to the beach or to the lake? The beach. Right. Who has better bombs? Caden Wallace or Jalen Battles? Jalen Battles. I'd agree with that, but I had to make yeah. sure. I put that question on there for fun. He's he's he pimps them, so it's a little cooler. 
He's got he's got a little little extra swag when when he drops one for sure. He, he's got that X factor. Would you rather play dodgeball or wiffle ball? Dodgeball. See, that's a that's the pitcher answer. We get yes. we get guys that are position guys, guys that hit bombs, and they're like, yeah, I want to go play some wiffle ball so I can drop bombs. I and know. Every, I mean, my yeah. man batted like four sixty five in high school. I don't uh, know. Every pitcher that comes on is like, I want to throw a dodgeball as hard as I can and hit somebody in the face. Yes, that that's what it's all about. I mean, PE in high school and, and middle school, I mean, that's what everybody lived for. Y'all played dodgeball in y'all's Omaha Challenge at Arkansas? We did. We stopped doing that, uh, I guess, right when I got here. So we never did one. They didn't want players to get hurt when Connor pegged them in the face. That's exactly what they happened. Just, I made the rules there. See, I shut it all down. <laughs> would you rather attend a bucket list concert or a bucket list sporting event concert who is your bucket list concert who's on stage oh that's that's tough it'd have to be a country singer uh i don't know tyler childers might be up there for me but it'd have to be at the red rock course so well, we'll we'll take this a step further if you were like hey db let's let's go cruise hop in and i hopped in your car we turn it on what's playing on what are we jamming to i'm country all the way i mean i'll play a little hip-hop every once in a while but uh you know tyler childers uh turnpike troubadours uh anything morgan wallen i'm i'm pretty much going with that and so daniel's getting out of the truck at the first stop sign yeah i'm like uh this is good connor you can just let me out here i'll, I'll walk <laughs> the rest of the way that's tough randy's our <laughs> resident guy who will actually listen to country he, he haters man better. can't worry about these guys man All right. we'll, we'll make it on our own that's right we don't need these dudes <laughs> would you rather be a hero or a villain Hero. Who's your no favorite? Question. Who's your favorite hero? Uh, I'm going with Batman. Just yes. It's kind of a wild oh. card question. Oh, does no, Randy? That's... Does Randy even know Daniel about Monday? No, there there was a a Spider Man over the last couple episodes. We've had Spider Man and we've had Superman, and what was what, what was the other one? Um. Uh, no, it was it was Spider Man multiple times in a row, and then it was Superman. But Randy missed, and Randy, I don't know if you heard, but on Monday, Hunter Hines said Batman was nothing. He was just a rich guy with toys. And you weren't here that, for it, and I, you weren't here for it. I shut that shit, shit down. Shut it. That down. is a terrible, terrible take. <laughs> but then he said yeah, Superman, which you know we've always kind of talked about. Superman was kind of you know a little on the dorkier side. I don't. I think Batman is he's top notch. I don't care top. about he might he might he might be a billionaire and all that, and it's not just toys. I mean, he's got the he's got the skills to back it up. I, I'll, I'll tell you what, Connor. Someone has a ten year old. The coolest Batman to me is Lego Batman. That dude rocks. See, I haven't gotten into that one, but you you I, you don't even got to have kids. I bet Randy will vouch for that. Randy's Lego Batman a good movie. Lego Batman's a good movie, but it, I mean, it's not like. Well, I mean, to, you can't, you can't expect question. him to be Danny Keaton. <laughs> All right, last question. It's a big question. 
going to let us know everything that we need to know about Connor Nolan. Would you rather have massive success on accident or modest success on purpose? Accident, for sure. I love it. This has been like the most perfect interview. Randy usually has to like reform the question to get people to understand what's being asked. But you ask it. Usually he puts it in terms of I will give you a hundred million dollars to do nothing or twenty million dollars to play baseball. And some guys will still stick firm and they'll say, I'll play baseball for 20 million. And Randy's like, No, I don't I don't know that we've had that. What I say though, Connor, is I'm gonna all right, I'll give you a hundred million dollars, no strings attached, or I'll give you a chance to earn 20 million. Oh, of course, I want to earn my money. And then I'm like, okay, well, now I got 80 more million dollars than you do. For just for what? And yeah, then no, most of the, the time, they're like, oh, yeah. Of course. And, of I'm, course. Just, and, and I'm just going to tell you, you missed another bad episode, Randy, because Hunter Hines said he's going to play baseball for his 20 mil. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think that – that's why I don't add ba- – I've never added baseball into mine because asking a baseball player, that's his dream. That's a little different scenario. But saying I'm going to give you 100 or you earn 20, I mean, come on. His justification was $20 million goes a long way in the state of Mississippi. Well, here's here's the thing. It's like semi-pro. You just take the 100, you go buy your own team, and then you just start yourself. Oh, I'm buying, wow. I'm, I'm buying a pickleball team. Randy, he just keeps going up the ladder for you, doesn't he? I love it. We're investing. I mean, we're going to be partners soon. We're going to be – We're gonna, and let me tell you what, we're having country concerts at every one of our games. But don't forget, he uh, did pick the Cubs over the Cardinals. Don't let that go, Randy. You know, it's okay. It's that's, okay, man. That's my one my one pitfall with you. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, hey, you know, my first wife had some too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Connor, my man, anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? I got nothing. You go hogs. Well, I had a feeling you're gonna say that. So, you know, if you are wanting to know more about Connor Nolan and you just want to see what he's up to on a typical Thursday night, or maybe, you know, on a random Monday, go on over to Instagram at C Nolan underscore one, three, one, three, or you could check them out at Cubs at Arkansas BSB Connor, man, if there's anything we can do for you along the way, reach out to us. We appreciate your time, man. We wish you nothing but the best moving forward. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. You got it, man. Any any time. That is Connor Nolan. We are going to take a break, plug some sponsors. When we come back, got a lot of headlines to talk. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. And I know last week I said baseball would this that would have been the last time that it leads off, but it's not because we got to talk Astros. We got to talk them winning it all and. Jim, I'll start with you, man. Is the Astros the most fly under the radar team? And then when postseason comes, they're like the favorite. Like, I, I, I just still don't understand. It's kind of like nobody talks about them unless they're cheating or there's a scandal. And then when there's not, like, they're not talking about them. And then here they are winning a championship. It's it's pretty funny because, you know, we talk about it every season. What happens is, you know, they'll talk about the Yankees, right? Like, and and, and to your point, it's the Astros that will always make it to the World Series, not the Yankees. But everybody, you know, favorites the Yankees. And it's, you know, it's going to be the Yankees and the Dodgers and 
I think that's kind of the trend it goes. And somehow Houston can have the better record underneath there and get forgotten about. And then to your point, because of the cheating year, I think people don't want them there. So they try to forget about them. But the reality is you guys have said it cheating or not, they're ballers and they're not cheating now to our knowledge. Um, and so like at, at some point, you know, people got to put it to rest and just realize this team's damn good. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, we talk about it, you know, throughout the entire season, you know, their name came up in conversation and it was the same really for us. The same conversation every week is we hated to say it, but we felt like there were other teams that we hoped would pull ahead of them. But I think deep down, we knew like the Astros were going to be there at the end. We all three. picked them. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk a whole lot about them. I think maybe it was understood that they were there. But, Randy, where do you see this team? Like, there, there's a lot of labels being put on this team. Um, and really just the success of the Astros over the past decade is that, you know, they have really, like, turned this thing into a dynasty. But I, I'm not so sure I'm ready to call it a dynasty just yet. I don't know how you cannot call it a dynasty because, I mean, that's what they're consistently there one several and so how, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you so i guess my my confusion is when you think of dynasty you think about winners right so how many do you have to win to go all right we're a dynasty one no no i don't think that it's i don't know you got to win multiple for sure but you win multiple and you made plenty so i mean i, th- I think randy's probably right i mean if you're making it to the world series you know what how many what is that five in the last what i mean they've been there so much i mean yeah, really the, the most impressive part to me is they they you lose guys like carlos correa who arguably was their best player for several of those years and they just go right back they do it with a bunch of different guys they still have altuve still have bregman uh, obviously you know verlander being a, a pinnacle part, but he wasn't the stud that we've seen Verlander be. So they just reinvent themselves, and they have such a good mixture. They've done a great job of holding on to just enough veteran leadership and bringing in young guys that carry the torch. I mean, they got you know Pena and Alvarez, all those guys that are you know not exa- they're not near as old as Altuve and Verlander, even Bregman. I mean, we say that he's old, he's not. What did he come out of LSU in 2014? Yeah, yeah. you know what I what I've found, guys, universally um, from from most people I've listened to, um, the reason why a lot of people weren't unhappy that Houston won was because of Dusty Baker. Um, everybody was really happy that Dusty, especially in many seasons he's put in, got to win. And I think that kind of helped Houston not be so much of a villain because so many people love Dusty. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with him, obviously, player and coach in the Hall of Fame um, won – a championship as both roles. Um, but, you know, Randy, going back to that whole dynasty, I, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, like for baseball, especially, it's very hard to win in baseball. Um, and to win a championship is even that much harder. And these guys yet, you know, despite only winning two, I mean, they've only had two championships, I believe in their in, in entire existence. But yeah. The thing is, is they're always right there with the ability to either win it because they're in the World Series or their record is is just crazy good. And I'll give you this stat. It's 
since 2017, Houston has averaged 98.4 wins per 162 games played. There's only a few other teams that have done this. That's the Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, Braves era, where they were 100.8 wins. And then the Jeter era with the Yankees, where they were 99 wins. Um, outside of those two, which we, you know, that we grew up through, um, you know, there was an Earl Weaver, Baltimore Orioles era, and then the Big Red Machine with the, the Reds era that were in the 98s and 99s. So when you think about all of those teams and you go, man, that's only been done by five separate sets of teams, like that's a pretty good feat. That's exceptional. And on top of that, they do it in an era, like Jim said, where you have the Yankees, you have the Red Sox, you also have the Rays who are all, you know, consistently there, the Dodgers, you know, the Cardinals uh, and and from the NL, I know. But what I'm saying is they're doing it without that, the Mets, that $400 million payroll, not saying that their payroll is low because they do pay, but I just mean that they consistently just kind of rebuild it, rebrand it, and then push it out. And all of a sudden they're back. Okay. So. Looking at it, they went in the World Series in 2017, 19, 21, and 22, and they won it the first year and the last year. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ray. I feel like that's a dynasty. You've been four four of the last um you know six years and you won the first and the last one. So yeah, I'm gonna go with it. It is. Hey, call it what it is. I mean, we all know I you know, if if we were placing odds for championships next year i guarantee you in the top three if not top two the astros would be there um randy how much did you see it how much did mattress mike make on houston 75 million on a 10 million dollar bet so he laid down some loot but this that was the single largest vegas payout in the history of legalized betting i mean mattress mike is something else just... But I mean, think about what we've said about Houston's consistency. He he makes what seems to be a crazy bet, but he's betting on a team that seems to be there every year, just about. So it's not a terrible bet. No, not at all. Speaking of bets, Randy, we got to talk Grizzlies. They are eight and four. Just picked up an OT win against the Spurs, and I know you know off air we're talking, um, you know. Why is it the Spurs? Like how? Like we should be beating them, but you know, it's Popovich. Like when when you like coaching matters, especially in this league. Coaching matters, players matter, but coaching matters as well. Um, you know, looking at the Grizzlies, give us a little update on on where you see them right now, and are we gonna get Triple J back maybe by Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving? What's what's the the word on the street? The word around the city is that Triple J will be back this month. So that's exciting news because everybody had been saying Christmas. So to get him back, and obviously no rush. I think what you'll see is that when Jaron does come back, he probably will be on a minute's restriction to kind of ease back into it. So by the time they go out to Golden State to beat them by 30 on Christmas Day, he'll be back in the full swing of things. And they need him big time, DB, because the one thing that um, has bothered me about this team is their defensive inconsistency. You got – a couple guys that are scores. Ja obviously is amazing. Desmond Bain has been absolutely unbelievable. Um, and you've had some other guys step up into some roles. I don't think they have their rotation quite figured out because they're playing a lot of guys like LaRavia. You're playing Santi a lot. 
Uh, Steven Adams has kind of been in and out with some stuff. So he's been good on the the boards, but he hasn't really given you anything offensively. And sometimes on defense, it's just a absolute mismatch. So I'm excited to see what happens when they do get Jaron back because he completely changes their whole mindset. If they know that if he they get past them, he can clean things up at the rim. And right now, they just don't have that. And their aver- I think their margin of victory over the season is only 1.5 in the positive. So you're in the positive, but you're allowing 115 points a game. That's got to get a lot better. And and it will, I expect it will. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think, you know, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, like that was the one thing without Jaron. And obviously at that point we didn't have Dylan either. It was all right. Defensively, are we going to have to score 130 points a game to win? Um, You know, and, and, Hopefully the defensive aspect gets better, but right now, yeah, our di- differential we're in the positive, so that's good. Um, we're eight and four. We're basically there's like a, a one. There's six teams that have eight wins, almost you know five or yeah. six that have eight wins. So. Jazz got ten, and everybody Jazz, thought they were tanking. Right, like when when you think of someone like you know Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, like. Do you start thinking, well, maybe that was them and not not the Jazz? I mean, maybe with Rudy Gobert because he started COVID and all, but I think with Donovan Mitchell, you look at him with Cleveland and the guy's balling. So right. I don't maybe it was just a situational thing and things got the marriage got old there. But yeah, I don't know. I think that with Gobert, I'm not so sure that there was a lot. I think he might be the most overrated player of this generation. And I only say that because he gets so much credit for the defensive prowess. And the guy, if you look at his defensive, his plus minus and his defensive efficiency, it's not great. Just think he blocks shots and he's really tall. Yeah. I think if you put a guy that's equally as good as he is, they, they'll they have a lot of success on him. I think he thrives when he knows like he's the biggest guy on the court. Randy, do you think uh, uh, before we turn, Randy, do you think he'll always be associated with the COVID thing now? Oh, for sure, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, it's even like even like in news outlets when they're talking about COVID and shutdowns, they all go to like it was when Rudy Gobert had Touch COVID, and that's when everything stopped. <laughs> Which I mean, like. To be honest, like I, I'm sure like things were in the works prior to that, but like in my in my realm, in my reality, like that was what I associated with the whole stoppage. That was like, all right, now shit's real. Like things are really shutting down. But I don't think he's gonna drop that anytime soon. And and you know, speaking of, of dropping things soon, the Lakers, Jim. I'm gonna give you a chance to tell us a little bit about the Lakers, man. Obviously, your boy Westbrook. Had a couple decent games, you know, off air. You were talking to us a little bit about it. Um, decent. They were great. Okay, great. They're two and eight. So tell me how great they could have possibly been. Bro, when you are, when you got 18 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and you're a plus 18 and two for two from downtown, you are great if you're Russell Westbrook. Okay. And that's what he was in the last game and a victory. But like you said, They've only gotten a couple wins because they started off 0-5. Right now they're struggling with the Clippers down 12. But um, 
the thing that we got to focus on, guys, is something that we didn't know if he'd do. I didn't think he would ever do. He's embraced the six-man role. And what I mean by it, not he's playing it because he's being told. Um, guys, he looks like he likes playing basketball again. And so clearly, um, and, and let me tell you, um, I'm, I'm not saying anything that isn't a secret to anybody who knows anything about basketball. Um, when you match his minutes and his numbers, they put him on the court the majority of the time with Anthony Davis and without LeBron. And so that basically says you cannot have the two of them because they're both ball dominant. And it also shows what we've always known. Russell Westbrook plays a good, um, you know, pick and roll game with a big man and him and Anthony Davis are successful. Now, as far as this team overall, Daniel Westbrook aside, since I've turned it on in the background while we're doing this episode, I've watched like five missed threes from Lakers. I, they even take a step back threes. Like these guys just keep jacking and, they just ain't never going to fall. And for that reason, I just can't ever see this team winning. Even like their defense has gotten better, but it still doesn't matter because they still can't put it in the hoop. Well, I heard shooters going to shoot and non-shooters going to miss. Well, so. I'll say this. They just brought up the stat line for LeBron um, for a guy who I've been picking on lately because I get tired of them showing how many points he's got, but he's shooting like 38%. He is six for six from the field with 16 points. All right, look at LeBron. Ryan getting it done. Well, down twelve still though. Don't matter if you don't win. True, true that you know, and we'll 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 get another update later on. But hey, I wanna... I, I, do, I do want to ask something um to Randy if he watched the game the other night. Uh, um, John got to go. Jason Tatum went off. Did you happen or either of y'all for that matter? Um, watch the 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 Celtics game, and if you did, uh, Randy. Are you feeling any differently about the Celtics, or do you still feel like they're not good enough to do it? Oh no, they're they're a dumpster fire. That team is so much. It's dysfunction. No, they got a they got a great one on one isolation player in Jason Tatum. That's it. Watch your dog Jalen Brown. Love him. I wish they would trade him. He deserves better. My Grant Williams. You get a little too much hate, Randy. I'm not. I'm not. You know, Grant Williams. I, you know, now I see what everybody was talking about when he was a Tennessee man. Man flopping all the time, man. Get tough. <laughs> get tough, Grant. But got, the Grizzlies, hey, the Grizzlies should have won. The Grizzlies should have won that game. They, so you're they completely threw it away. So you're telling me if he's a big flopper and Marcus Smart's on that team, you got two of the biggest floppers on the same team. Is that what you're telling me? A hundred percent. Marcus Smart flopped three times on three consecutive plays the other time, and everyone almost called a charge. So he is obviously doing it because he gets the call, but that don't mean I got to like it. Well, I know you guys uh, are all about them Grizz, but John got to take his son to the Celtics game, and they're Celtics fans, and they won. So I'm happy for them. Well, that's good. At least least there was some positive out of the Grizzlies losing that game. Um, But – a lot of a lot of positives in in the way of of football, especially um, in Knoxville. Obviously, not the way you know they wanted the weekend to go, but Randy, you know, University of Tennessee, you know, coming off of a loss to the now the number one team in the country. Um, what did you see from your perspective as far as were they just beat? Did Tennessee make mistakes? Like what what was it that solidified a win for Georgia? Um all the above. So Georgia is absolutely a, they're better. They're better at everything. 
they're better at defense. They put in what Brian kept, this is not a slide on LSU, but what he kept saying about getting your cleats in the ground and being able to stop all that stuff, they did not give up a big play to Tennessee. And so everybody kept saying, Tennessee changed the playbook, Tennessee changed the playbook, but no, they didn't. They Nothing was there. And what, what they're not going to do is force something. And then when he did try to force something late, it ended up being an interception. So what happened was you come out, Tennessee gets what they want. They get a turnover. All they got was a field goal. And I looked over the guy I was watching the game with. I said, that's a problem. You're not going to beat Georgia and Athens with field goals. And then Georgia's blitzed them. They blitzed them. They, Hendon Hooker wasn't allowed to get comfortable in the pocket. Georgia was a lot more physical team offensively and defensively. I actually did think that there were some plays that Tennessee made, could have made um, early in the game that would have kept them in it. Georgia dominated the game. That's not what, what I'm saying. But the, Tennessee had a chance to kind of get back in it and make it interesting. And they just weren't able to do it. So shout out to Georgia for just out athleting, being more physical. The crowd was absolutely insane. They were the they set a decibel record of their stadium, and I've been to their stadium. It's been loud, but they set another decibel record. It was insane. They had the world watching, and they wanted to prove that they were the number one team, and they more than proved it. They there's left no shadow of a doubt. That's the best team in college football. So where does this leave Tennessee? Obviously, the rankings come out. They're fifth. Um, do you feel like that's a good position for them, a bad position in regards to like now they're, they, they've got to take care of business, but they're also going to need other people to do some different things. Yeah. I think a lot of it's going to take care of itself because Ohio state and Michigan are ahead of them. They have to play each other. One of them's going to lose. And uh, neither of them has a resume to match Tennessee. So they will be behind them. The loser. Yeah, the loser would be, yeah. So the winner obviously would be, they'll be ahead of Tennessee, but the TCU has a couple of tough games. They have to go, they got to play at Texas this weekend. They got to play Baylor. That could be a loss. So TCU is going to probably drop. And then and you got barely, Big 12 championship games. So you got, yeah, three they got another chance. They, they could lose two or three more games, to be honest with you. I'm not impressed with TCU. I'm going to put that out there. Um, the uh, USC, I think, was right behind them. USC, I, no, no, Oregon, Oregon was behind them. Oregon, Oregon. Okay, let me, let me, let me bring this out. There's a guy on the committee, and I heard him interview the other day. His name is Boo Kerrigan. And if you guys have never heard of Boo Kerrigan, do yourself a favor and don't look it up. He was asked of about the difference between Tennessee and Oregon, and he said there really is no difference. They have a common opponent loss. So then the reporter drills him in. He said, "Do you take any?" Is there any weight put on the fact that Tennessee only lost by 14 and Oregon lost by 47? He said, no, neither game was close. They were both dominant. That's Boo Kerrigan. Be better. Well, and wasn't but, the Oregon game it, on neutral site as well? It what? Well, kind of. It was in Atlanta. So I don't know how neutral it was. But, but nonetheless, yes, they didn't it have wasn't to go to Athens. True. If, if Oregon plays Tennessee's schedule and Tennessee plays Oregon's schedule, I mean, this is hypothetical. It's hard to go, well. Yeah, it's not really apples to apples, but in the event that they did, Oregon would probably not be eight and one, and Tennessee most likely would be eight and one, if not better, if they played Oregon. They actually do measure something similar to that ESPN does on what do they call it, Jim? The uh, schedule, strength of schedule. Yeah, but it's not strength of record. Strength of record. All right. So they said that if any of the other top twenty-five CFP teams played Tennessee's schedule, what's the What's the chance they would be eight and one like Tennessee is? And it's only five percent. So that goes for Oregon. Well, it goes for any of the teams. Well, and here's the thing on Oregon, as Randy was, you know, talking about TCU schedule, 
Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but um, oh yeah, no, it's ranked Washington, it's ranked Utah, and then presumably USC in the Pac-12 championship. So um, that's what they're talking about. Tennessee has the easiest remaining schedule. Meanwhile, the other two teams that are in the mix with them have absolutely tough schedules. They do because that you brought up the Pac-12 championship game. The Big 12 also has that too. So let's say that. Michigan and Ohio State are on the same side, I think, right? So then one of them is going to lose. Let's say Michigan wins. So then they go to number two. Ohio State goes to five or six, whatever they go to. And then Ohio State wouldn't be in the Big Ten championship game, and then Michigan loses it. They probably – yeah, they talked about not the, in it either. They talked about it on the radio today because of the 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 conference being weak in general, but then no out of conference games. The loser of Ohio State Michigan is out. They're not going to. Yeah, I completely agree. So I I think to answer your question, DB, I think Tennessee's in a great spot. Jim talked about the schedule. So Tennessee's schedule was has been one of the top twentieth, I think, hardest schedules, and now they got to play Missouri at home. You're on the road against South Carolina, and you're on the road against Vanderbilt. I mean, they'll be double-digit favorites in every one of those games, and maybe by 20 or more in at least two of those games. So I, I don't – if Tennessee just needs to handle business and let the rest of it play out, and I think it's going to take care of itself organically. Gotcha. Well, Jim, obviously it was an unbelievable week uh, for you um, in the, the LSU Tigers. Um, Alabama rolls in. Um, it's a night game, which you've been waiting for this entire season. The atmosphere is electric. It's loud. It's rowdy. It's, it's everything that you want with a, you know, a, a top 10 matchup, um, with, you know, everything on the line that was there. Um, obviously LSU, you know, you know, shout out to Brian Kelly for, I don't know, is, is to me, I think. You know, going for two at the end and just saying we're gonna win it, like that's the right call, don't you think? Like, yeah. Randy sent me a, a meme afterward of uh, Brian's Kelly Stones. Uh, Stones. Uh, I, I I love it, but you know, um, <clears throat> Brian Kelly's got to get credit for more than the two. And you know, everybody who listens to us knows that I was not a fan of the hire, and um, you know, definitely didn't see success like this. So I own that. But the growth of this team from that Florida State loss to now, you have to give him a majority of the credit. Um, Obviously, players are going to develop on their own, but um, he has done a tremendous job coaching. So I have to own that uh, I was wrong for at least for now, um, especially with what he's done. And then the call that he obviously made at the end of the game. Um, What's probably not talked about enough over that game is the way that the defense played, um, you know, what I thought was going to be possibly a shootout because Alabama's given up some points this year, ended up being a little bit lower scoring than I thought. And the defense looked really good. And guys, y'all remember my love affair with Devin White. I never thought I would see another dude wearing 40 for LSU being that badass. And he's a freshman in Harold Perkins Jr. That dude is going to be playing on Sundays and he's ridiculous. And he, and it's not, not new this game. He's been doing it every game and to see him do it against Alabama. And he was so disruptive. He was on Bryce young all game. And so um, the defense definitely needs uh, to, to get some praise, but obviously Jalen Daniels, man, the growth has just continued to be there. Um, And, you know, like 
I wanted it so bad. Going back to that Tennessee game where they just beat the mess out of us, that that was the last bad game he had where he, you know, I loved it because uh, they talked about it on Get Up, and I was so glad that Ryan Clark said it. And then I heard it on College Game Day, and Desmond Howard talked about it. They both broke down the first few games and talked about exactly what I had said. They said he would break the pocket before guys would break their routes. And I don't know what happened, guys, at Florida that he figured it out. And it's carried all the way to this Alabama game. And the guy has figured out that he doesn't have to run unless he has to. And when he does run, he's obviously clearly dangerous. So um, big game, big win. The atmosphere was anything and everything you could uh, want it to be. Um, and, man, um, I didn't storm the field, guys. Stick firm. Took pictures. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. And now look at our grass. I know y'all seen the pictures. They done torn this shit up. We need to talk to the Tennessee field guys, figure out what y'all do to, to fix that. Get it back quick. But uh, it, it was it was fun. You know, I've seen a lot of clips. Um, uh, Fowler from um, from game day talked about uh, – he seemed drunk on the plane. You seen that video, either of y'all? Yeah, anyway, just talked about if you were at that game, you'll never forget it. And uh, he's not wrong because when – I'll put it to you guys and I'll end on this. When they got that two-point conversion, I'm so used to seeing them lose to Alabama. And, and Randy probably feels this way when they won. I had to sit there and kind of take it for a second and make myself believe that it really happened. Man, I saw it happen. You, that wasn't enough to believe it? It's, I wasn't sure I believed it even after I saw it. Like, I was I, waiting for there to be a penalty or he came up short, like stepped out of bounds, like – like you just you don't win those games against Alabama. They haven't beat them since 2010, Daniel. Hey, shout out to LSU. We haven't beat them since 2006, cuz. Oh wow, man. Uh, we, shout out to Tennessee and LSU hey, at least, for at least, at, Alabama. At least, hey, at least, Randy, you didn't have to pay the consequences like we did. We beat them in 2010, so we could turn around and play them in the national championship, and they didn't let us cross the 50. Well, they made you know, us. They made us pay badly for beating we, them. We we just we didn't beat Georgia, but we just might get that rematch. Yeah, and I don't want it. Well, I I at first was going to politely just skip over Memphis, but I thought, well, that wouldn't be too fair. So here here's what I got. This week's game will be the the either the final nail in this silverfield coffin or i'll be convinced that if they lose like this guy's gonna be here for a little bit um you know looking back at ucf like to be honest the game wasn't even that close of a game like we got lucky and they basically let us in and kept us in it i mean Isaiah Bowser for UCF, we had no – we didn't have an answer for. Um, your Our quarterback, Seth Hennigan, is our leading rusher. Like, that's not good. Like, it's happened a few times this season, unfortunately. It, right, and that's that's not good. Like, if he's got 70 yards of your 149 total yards, that's not good. He's got half your yards. Like, and and here's the silly thing is like it's not like it's not like we don't have backs. That's been my one complaint is that there's not a lot of like congruency of like this is our 
core guys. It's like a hodgepodge and like just all these different sets, which is fine. But like every game, it's like eight guys, eight different guys rushing, eight different guys receiving. Like it, it's crazy. So I, I don't know, man. I, I'm at a loss. I, I think you look back at the season and there are a lot of, a lot of moments in the season where we lost the games that we did by one possession or, you know, one thing, but him deciding to go for it, you know, we're, we're trying to claw our way back into it. He goes for it on fourth and like 13 from their 35 and, and we don't get it obviously. And it really, they march down and score. We turn around, turn the ball over. They go back and score again. And that was it. Like, that was all she wrote um so i'm i don't know about you guys but i'm i'm a little little worried about what this game tomorrow night's gonna look like um i think if they lose tomorrow i'm gonna be worried about smu for sure north alabama i'll be even worried about that and you know like it's crazy it's crazy and it's not a good spot and i don't i don't know, I don't know. um Random note, man, because you brought up SMU on the back end. What was this? They set a record. You know what I'm talking about? They scored 77 points, and Houston scored like 60-something. Yeah. Yeah, 77-63. My God. Crazy. Crazy. Just a lot of points. No no defense at all. Hey, uh, something I mentioned – I forgot to mention, Daniel. Um, After – after LSU beats Arkansas and um, beats Texas A&M, they're gonna they're gonna beat Georgia. I just wanted to put that to Randy. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to. I neglected to mention that because you know he was talking about how good they were. Oh, we're okay. gonna get into these picks here in a second. Oh, can't can't wait for this. Well, let let's jump to them, guys. Let's uh, talk about last week. Um, Texas, Kansas State, across the board, we all took K State. We all decided we wanted to be wrong for that game. <laughs> um, Clemson, Notre Dame. Jim, for some crazy reason, never picks Notre Dame, but decided he. Oh, back to back weeks, Notre Dame got me the dub. So there you go. You get a point. Jim, or Randy and I do not. Wake Forest, North Carolina State. Jim, you and I took North Carolina State. We picked up a point. Randy took Wake, and he did not get a point. We uh, move into UCF, Memphis. Jim, you took Memphis, which was just silly. Randy and I took the sure thing and took UCF. Uh, we got a point. And then Tennessee, Georgia, we all picked Tennessee. We all did not get a point. LSU. Letting y'all back in this thing. Yeah, you you really are. LSU, Alabama. LSU wins. Jim, you know, you went with your team, which you've done the past couple of weeks, and it paid off. You know, they ended up winning. So you get a point. So the way it shook out is, Jim, you had three points this week. Randy. Rough week for you. You got one little point, one teeny tiny point. So I'm only trailing by a hundred. I, I got room. Then I got two. So for college, our standings are as follows: Randy, you're still in first with 34, but Jim has clawed his way back. He's got 30, so he's only four behind. And then I'm at 29. I'm only five behind. So we we've cut into this what we thought was insurmountable with you know, you know, some weeks left. So we'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, but moving into this week's 
slate of games. It's a good one. And we're going to start off, you know, with your team first, Jim. LSU, Arkansas. Um, is this a game, to me, this seems like a game where it's uh, it could be a trap for LSU. They come off a big win. They come in high. They come into a game where they probably, I don't know, I guess they should win this game. Um, but they're playing away. It's a early game, opposite of what they played last time. I don't know. Who are you taking? Um, it's not going to be a trap game because um, Arkansas has made sure to run their mouth that they're not giving the trophy back. And um, I'm not the only one. The players have not forgotten that Cameron Little did the gritty on the Tiger eyes. He hit the game-winning kick last year. They're going to go in there to try to beat their ass, and they will. So give me LSU. Oh, wow. You are just going right in for it. LSU. Uh, Randy, who are you taking? Hogs. Hogs. Oh, man. You are. Trap game, baby. You do know KJ Jefferson's banged up, right? Don't matter. Don't matter. You know, there's, there's a lot. You know, when, when you were recapping LSU, Jim, you said a lot. But one of the things that I did hear you say was, you know, they've got consistently better. And it could be like little things. It could have just be like the system players getting comfortable with the system but it's it's pretty pretty evident that every week for the past you know four or five weeks they've gotten significantly better um i think beating alabama is now shown and put in their eyes that they can be what they once were and they can't compete with anybody um i don't think they have a letdown i think they go in and i think they actually play really well I think they they pick up a dub against the Hogs. Alabama, Ole Miss. You know it's it's really hard not to pick Alabama, so I'm not. So give me Alabama. <laughs> so Randy, you know, let me ask you a question before we make our picks. Let's, I just got to ask you a question, Randy. I seen the Ole Miss post. You know, I'm all in the thing. They were talking about they can't wait to storm the field on Bama too. How embarrassing. Let's be honest. It has nothing to do with an Ole Miss. This is even an Ole Miss thing. If you storm a field, storm the field on a team that has lost three times. No, oh, no, you still do it. It's Alabama. Oh, so you're okay with it. Yeah, because I mean, look, but Ole Miss has beat but Ole Miss has beat them maybe more times than Tennessee and uh uh LSU I, I have. Mean, I get that, but that's still Alabama over there. Tennessee rarely in history ever rushes the field. They did it. LSU's done it twice in three weeks. I mean, you rush the field. You enjoy every second of the demise of Alabama. I think I may have asked you this already. How do you feel about them doing their national champions baseball uh, ring ceremony and having the guys out there uh, for this game of all games? Oh, no, I love it. I think that um, Tennessee did something pretty pretty similar. You know, when they played Kentucky, they had the basketball team except in their SEC, whatever, you know, acknowledgement SEC champions against Kentucky because that's a basketball school and they did it against Florida too with the baseball team so that's a nice salty touch to do that against Kentucky I like that a lot. absolutely and they the baseball team did it because they won the SEC against Florida so they did it in the Florida football game so I love it storm the field Ole Miss but I'm still picking Alabama Bama well that's gonna be silly they're gonna storm the field on a loss (laughs) all right Jim who you got Alabama Ole Miss 
You gonna go just, the other way? No, I just I mean I just can't see Bama losing a third game. It just feels weird. Okay. So Bama it is. Brings us to UCF and Tulane. Uh Tulane's pretty good. UCF did not um I mean they, they're ranked, but they didn't show me anything against Memphis where I'm just like, oh, they're head and shoulders, you know, a, a contender in this league. Um, so give me Tulane. Taking Tulane. Tulane. Is John is Rice ranked- Plumley playing? Because he didn't play against Memphis. While while he looks at so it. so he so he didn't play, but he was warmed up. He had his helmet on, and there was a series or two where the announcers was like, Plumley is going to go in this series, and then uh Keen would go back out there. So I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, I'm going to go with based upon what I'm reading and the point spread that's out there. He's playing because they only got Tulane as a one point favorite at home. And it doesn't say that he's out. I'm going UCF in the upset. What I was going to say, by the way, was this is the highest ranking Tulane has ever had. If you Short lived. I mean that's that's kind of bullshit because there was a time where they had an undefeated season. And that is true. So I don't I don't know how that like what, what rankings are we talking about here? I'm just I'm just reading what I read. Which by the way, since he took UCF, who I was originally going to take, I'm taking Tulane so I can continue to gain. All right, go ahead. TCU Texas the. Uh... Game day site. It's uh every game is is the biggest game for TCU if they keep winning. So this is the biggest game that they're gonna play all all year as of as of today. Um, but Jim, who are you taking? Is this it? Is this it? I know they're gonna trip up. Randy's not wrong. It's game day at Texas. It feels like it'd be the right one, right? Yeah, give me Texas. This is gonna be the one. It's gonna go. People aren't even gonna have to wait long for this. Well, I, I'm going with the Horn Frogs. Give me TCU. Randy, Hook them. You, you're going horns. You're finally hanging up the the TCU flag. You're retiring it. You were on that little. He's probably going to pick. He's probably going to pick against TCU every week. Every every week from here on out. True. I, I can I can understand that. North Carolina Wake Forest. North Carolina is. How good are they? Eight and one, fifteenth in the country. Like, what, what are we, what are we talking about here, Jim? Are they that good? I mean, they were pretty good last year. I think they're sneaky under the radar. Um, in a year where there's a lot of parity, but I mean, um, I mean, you gotta give them their, you gotta give them their due. And with that, I mean, I'm gonna pick them to win this game. You're gonna go with the Tar Heels, all right, Randy? Who are you going uh- with? I'm going to go with the Tar Heels as well because I keep picking Wake and they keep fucking losing. Well, this is the week that I'm going to go with Wake because Wake Forest has a pretty good quarterback. Really good. From what I see is that, yeah, these jokers have only – North Carolina has only lost one game, but they're giving up 24 points, 61 points. 
28 points, 32 points, 35 points, 28 more points. Like, they're going to give up some points. And I think when you got a good quarterback, if you're willing to give up points, like, that's that's a recipe for disaster. So give me the Demon Deacons. Give me them. Florida State, Syracuse. Um, I don't know. Who? I don't even know. Like, they're both ranked. Yeah. <laughs> Is Syracuse still ranked? They've lost like four in a row. And I believe the last game they lost was like a really bad one. Like it was just ugly. They've lost three games. And Florida State, like four and three in the AAC in the ACC and three and two in the ACC. Oh no, my bad. They're not ranked. Florida State's Florida State ranked twenty three, but and Syracuse I and I need Florida State to continue to to win because it makes LSU's loss not look so bad. So who are you going with, Jim? FSU? Yeah, all day. Randy, who are you taking? Same. Give me Mike Norvell. Yeah, man, quit picking the same as me. Well, I'm going to go FSU for that one. I mean, How do I keep picking before Randy, too? This is some bullshit. <laughs> Dan- I wanted the same and, thing, actually. And, and Daniel's going last, so he's making sure he can gain on both of us. He's slick right now. Uh, you know, hey, I, I run the ship. I make the rules. <laughs> I I am the captain now. Mafia boss over there. Any uh any noteworthy Pac-12 garbage can trash late night game of the week you guys want to talk actually, about? Actually, actually, I botched doing these pickums. Um, yeah, you should have put Washington, Washington and Oregon. Oregon. I see that. Let's throw it in there. Throw it in there. Oh shit! I gotta let me uh let me. Let me just change this little guy. You want Washington, Oregon. Randy just is ready to pick against these teams. All right, Jim. I'm I'm going to go go first. Uh, Randy, you go first. Give me the Ducks. So we just added this in so we could all three pick the Ducks as a waste of time. Yeah, this is just (laughs) a giant waste. I'm going to I'm going to pick Oregon by 200. I, I picked Washington like three weeks ago, and they came through with the upset. I mean, I'm just saying, you guys could well, pick them, man. They could help you like they helped me. Well, it ain't going to be tonight. All right, scratch that game. Moving on to the NFL. All right. Let's move on to the the hot the hot topics. The NFL, your boy, Randy, Frank Reich, is out. And you guys have now ushered in the weekend – not the actual weekend, but <laughs> Jeff Saturday with might have been better. No, <laughs> I, please help me. Like what? Like I'm sure Jeff Saturday seems like a great guy, nice guy, but he seems like he's a team kind of guy. Like, hey man, I got your back, bro. I'll pick you up. Like, haha, I'm I'm a funny dude. Like, you know, I'm a competitor, but like I know how to have a good time too. But that, what what are we doing here in Indianapolis? I don't know. I think Jim Irsay is uh, Jerry Jones without as much money. (laughs) I don't understand the decision because you had all these guys on staff, including John Fox, who's well-respected, and not only do you not – it's interim, right? It's just interim. You don't have to keep them forever. So if John Fox or whoever wasn't your answer, you get rid of them at the end of the year. But not only did they say, you know what, we got to go get Jeff Saturday. He's coaching high school football. He's ready. Then 
you promoted the assistant quarterback coach now to be the offensive coordinator. I just don't understand. I, I don't understand what we're doing. You know, Randy, they talk about what the biggest surprises are this year. They're talking about it. Um, and they were talking about obviously Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, and they're talking about Russell Wilson and Denver. But and this is gonna go twofold, it's gonna half Indianapolis. This the AFC South, like the idea that Indianapolis is this much of a dumpster fire, and then the Titans got rid of AJ Brown and Julio and are just winning games. That's that whole situation is more perplexing to me than the other two because I thought the Colts would just smack down this division this year and would actually be a contender. So the idea that Tennessee is a seems to be a legit contender and the Colts are firing their coach and hiring, you know, random ex players is just wild. Well, for one, I don't think the Titans are legitimate because they got a guy. Uh, well, right now, their record, they suck. Says it. their record says it. Okay. Yeah. 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 They'll win the division because it's putrid, but they suck still. Also, what I'm most afraid of is that so right now the Colts have played nine games, three, five, and one. So they got eight games left. I'm scared to death. We're going to go six and two or five and three, find a way to win some games, and then they're going to keep Jeff Saturday. That's what I'm most afraid of because I really like that dude. Like, he's a good guy. But so Frank Reich is a good dude. Like, everybody saw that guy on Hard Knocks. Good man. Cares about his players. Cares about his family. Good, all that shit. Nobody gives a fuck about being a good guy. That doesn't matter. Let me ask you a question, Randy. If you were to lose this next game and y'all basically buried yourself, do you shut down Jonathan Taylor for the season with the way he's been battling injuries? I, well, I don't know that they're not going to shut him down anyway because he can't stay healthy. And I don't know if you're – are you willing to risk – your offensive line is god-awful. It's awful. They can't protect Matt Ryan. They can't protect Ellinger. I want to see Nick Foles out there. Give me somebody with some heart. But, yeah, I think you do shut down Jonathan Taylor. There's no sense in risking your franchise player for to get seven wins. At this point, let, we got to – let's tank for whoever. CJ, I don't care. I just hope it's not Will Levis. If it, I'm going to tell you right now on this podcast, if Will Levis becomes a Colts quarterback, I'm not, I'm not a Colts fan anymore. I'm out. If y'all pick Will Levis over Bryce Young, I would quit being a Colts fan. Wow. Mel Kuyper's got Will Levis rated above, uh, above Bryce Young. At the four, yeah, at the four spot and five. It's, I couldn't believe it. It's crazy. But Man. Mel Kuyper's wrong more than he's right. That's the funny part. Well, he's like a weatherman, right? He doesn't have to be right. He still gets to keep his job. Oh, he's, I'm not uh, convinced that C.J. Stroud is better than Bryce. No, actually, I know for a fact. Bryce Young is the best quarterback in college football. I would take Bryce Young all day. Yeah, it's not even. I mean, you you saw that Tennessee game, right? It's pretty damn good. You saw the LSU game. It yeah, wasn't Bryce LSU... Young's fault they lost. That dude was nah. doing everything. And Stop. LSU was playing good defense, and the guy was just making crazy plays. But at this point, do you think the quarterback situation, like, all right, if they do tank, all right, let's say they do end up getting one of these these guys as a quarterback. They're still like not in a position where they can win. Like those guys don't strike me as all right, you have the pieces with that guy to win now. If you can protect them, you do. You have Taylor yeah. Pittman. But who is he throwing the ball to? Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman's great. All right, so you have one res- one receiver that's going to get matched up against the best of every team. I 
I actually they're, don't. They're I think their receiving core is good. I don't think that they're bad. I think you got. Uh, I think you have three legitimate receivers. You need a tight end, but I don't think they're. I don't think skill positions as far as wide receivers and running backs are the problem. I think that it's your offensive line, like, like Jim said. They can't protect him, so there's no time to get the ball to those guys. We were seeing Matt Ryan throw the ball 50 to 60 times a game, and that's just because he was having to throw slant routes. I mean, you know what? Bring Michael Thomas to Indy. Does, does Matt Ryan – is there a scenario where Matt Ryan is the quarterback next year? Oh, uh, no. No, absolutely not. I think yeah. that he just uh, retires. Yeah, I mean, this I think is, uh, I think Andrew Luck needs to come back right now. He's doing yoga in Stanford. That dude would be hanging terrible. out on that trees. Dude, that dude would be terrible. No, he wouldn't. I, I bet he'd come out swinging that rock. Man, that dude would be so soft, so fucking soft. But anyhow, Saints recap it, Jim. I mean, all right, I got a interest. I sent it to y'all. Interesting statistic right off the bat before I break down the team. Um, if LSU wins, the Saints lose. Um, it is a uh, statistical fact this season. So um, I don't think I'm ever going to get a, a full happy weekend, boys. Um, well, I mean, it seems like from here on out, you're going to want the Saints to just lose every week. Right, right, right. Um, but they they seem to be so Jekyll and Hyde on offense. The defense was actually holding their own playing extremely well. Um, you know, they had Lamar and them held the seven points through the majority of the first half and then, um, you know, punt the ball six straight times. And eventually, you know, um, Lamar and his, uh, you know, uh, ability to escape uh, started overwhelming them, started putting on more points. I just – I don't know, and I don't know the play calling. Like, they weren't using Taysom again. They weren't using Kamara uh, as like, like they were. Like, I I don't know what's going on, and it really just shows what Randy's always talked about with Sean Payton. Like, like one week it'll look like they know what they're doing, and the next week it looks like they don't know how to call the offense and use their best players. Um, the only shining point of that game was the guy who's been the shining point just about uh, every game, and that's Olave. Other than that, offensively um, – it's it's just trash. And then for the people who were saying put in Winston, it had nothing to do with the, you know, Dalton. They they couldn't protect him. They couldn't run the ball. You know, it was it was just it's bad. And so the Saints, I don't I don't know what to do because you talked about the Colts tanking, uh, Daniel. The Saints don't have a first round pick. And the the thing is there's still only one game back in the damn south so like if they can figure it out that was the thing they talked about that division as a whole none of them can string together back-to-back wins that's why it is where it is and if one of them and i'm hoping it's the saints can string together a few wins like it's there for the taking but nothing makes you believe that they can yeah i i think but here's the thing i think there's a little overreaction going on because i think the ravens are a really good team I mean, they have a caliber quarterback. They're winning their division in a division that has, you know, a team that played in the Super Bowl last year and a team that probably has one of the best coaches in the league. But can I tell you why I don't feel it's too much of an overreaction? Baltimore came into that game, one of the only teams that could be possibly more banged up than the Saints. 
and basically had no offensive weapons, didn't have Andrews, Bateman, or nothing, and then they were missing key players on defense and still made the Saints look bad. So they they didn't even have Baltimore, but 70% and still got worked like that. But, I mean, I think realistically you are probably – the Saints, you know, if you were to gauge them going into the season compared to Baltimore going into the season, you would have probably said, all right, yeah, the final score of a game that they would play would be close to maybe what it was this past weekend. Um, you know, obviously the how the game played out and the play calling and the, the lack of different things on the Saints' side you don't account for those things, but I think the score is pretty, pretty indicative of, of those teams comparatively, especially if we was to look at them at the beginning of the season by playing zero games. Um, so maybe, maybe not so much an overreaction, but I think the saints are in a fine spot. They have, um, you know, three and six. I mean, the bucks and the Falcons are winning that division and, they got to play both of those teams again. Like it's, it's very winnable for even the Panthers who are two and seven in that division. So, um, but enough of that. Let's, let's move on to the picks. Let's, let's talk about it. Um, obviously it was a, a great week of NFL picks for your boy. All right. Chargers Falcons. Everybody got a point. We all went chargers. They took care of business. Colts Patriots. Jim takes the Colts. Randy and I take the Patriots. Randy hedges a little bit. Him and I both get a point. He wasn't hedging. He said the Colts suck. <laughs> Big facts. True. Big facts. They 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 are not good. They are just just garbage. Asura at, at everything right now. <laughs> um Seahawks, Cardinals. Jim, you went you went Cardinals. Randy and I went Seahawks, and the Seahawks take care of business. And Randy and I pick up another point. Rams, Bucks. Jim takes the Rams. I or I'm sorry, Jim takes the Bucks. I take the Bucks. Randy, you went Rams, man. And guess what? You didn't. And get I a said point. it. I said it on there. They. Ne- I, I'm. I'm never picking the Rams again. But damn it! If Randy wasn't feeling good, uh, one less than a minute left in the game. <laughs> Oh, he he was he was feeling himself, but oh, I was definitely gonna talk shit. Titans and Chiefs, we all took the Chiefs. We all got a point. Saints and Ravens, Jim, you took your boys the Saints. Randy and I went with the Ravens. Him and I picked up points. You did not. So, of the six games this week, Jim, you got three points. Randy, you picked up five points, and I picked up a. Perfect week of six for six. Unbelievable. That gives us a total of 12. Are you being suspenseful right now? No, I was looking at the the baseball score that we got to factor in. So in all of the pick'em, all right, in, in all the pick'em games. We actually so, gained one on Randy in baseball because he picked the Phillies. We got something on him. Well, I actually gained two because I gave myself a point because I picked how many games it would take correct. So <laughs> there's that. So, Jim, you had 
three points. He really does make the rules. Randy, you have 31 points, and I have 29 points for pro. All right? When you add all the college, all the pro, all the baseball into the mix, our grand total score. Randy, you are, are you, you're up, you know, 64. You got 64 points. I'm in second. I got 58 points. Jim, you are in third. You got 52 points. 52 big ones. So NFL is dragging me down. Yeah, it, it really is. But <laughs> the good news is you got a lot more games in the NFL than you do college. So there's that. So enjoy that little tidbit. But Randy, you you're the champ, man. You you're you're good at everything. What 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 are we gonna do with you, man? Like I don't know. I'm cooling off. I mean, we'll we'll see. You still still been in first every week except for I think one. I was leave first week. I had it for at least one week. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. Yep, felt like just yesterday. Long time ago. All right, let's get into this. Saints Steelers. Jim, who are you taking? Saints, because we win every other week. Randy, Saints playing one of the best coaches in the league. Don't know what they have at quarterback, but who are you, you going to go with? I'm going to go with the Saints because the Steelers suck. You know, I'm going to – this is one where I, 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 I could throw the Steelers out there, but – but you won't. You know, let's see. Let me take a look. Playing in Pittsburgh. They're only a one and a half point favorite. You know, one game. You know what? Give me the Steelers. I'm taking the I, for bonus points, what's the name of their field now? Uh, Heinz <laughs> no 57 idea. Mustard Tomato. <laughs> I don't know, to be clear. I just I just thought it'd be funny to ask because we were all upset about them taking away it being Heinz. Ch- Cholula, Cholula hot sauce field. I, don't, I, I have no idea. It's probably a, a competition. But... Uh, next game, Vikings, Bills. Randy, who you got? Man, that's actually a really good one. Give me the Vikings because I think that uh, Josh Allen's hurt. And I don't mean he's not going to play. I just mean the Vikings are rolling, man. Did you see Kirk Cousins drip? Man, did you see Adam Scheffler do the Kirk Cousins? That's even better. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to go Buffalo. Give me the Bills, I think. I think they're fine. I think they're good to go. Jim, who you got? I got Minnesota for the same reason Randy said. And if the fantasy gods love me at all, last week, somehow, some way, I played Joe Mixon in all three leagues. Managed to win two of them. Anyway, I bring that up because somehow, some way, I'm playing against all three teams have uh Josh Allen. So if Josh Allen could not play, that would be great. Oh man. Pretty sure he's gonna play. 
Well, he needs to play like he's injured and not do very well. Highly unlikely, but we'll see. Cowboys, Packers, give me the boys. Same. Jim, who you got? Same. Them boys. Cardinals, Rams, give me the Cardinals. I don't think the Rams are very good. Jim, who you got? Damn it, Randy had his. Let me go. I'll go first. Give me the Cardinals. Damn. Oh. Ooh. Oh man, what are you what are you gonna do here? Cardinals, man, I can't lose any more ground. I won the game, but I don't think they're gonna win, so I gotta take the Cardinals. Yeah. All right. Chargers 49. The next one's interesting because Randy's yeah. always somebody who pulls for the 49ers, but he has this love affair with Josh. So we'll see. Well, let's start with Randy. I said Josh, Justin. I can't can't think. Mm. You know, that's actually a really big line for an yeah. NFL game. Seven. That's a pretty big line. Seven with the over under being 40, 45 and a half. And a half. I, oh, man. Mm. Give me the 49ers. Oh, he did it. He did it. Give me, give me the Chargers. Who you got, Jim? The Niners. The Niners. Wow. All right. How'd you make how'd you make the first game on the list? You didn't even say it, man. I mean, what's going on here? What are you talking about? Do we do we do yeah, no. Seahawks Bucks I, is the first game he didn't say it? He didn't no, say it. Because I had to I wanted all the college games to be on the list. So you got when I wrote them down, I had to change on my list. I had to change the Bucks and Seahawks, which would have been the first list or the first game. For NFL, I had to put the fucking Washington and Oregon game, so I put them at the bottom of my list over here. So fair I mean, enough. I got it. I got it going on. Y'all, y'all wanted that Oregon us to all pick Oregon, and, and well, now watch scratch that because I have a feeling we're going opposite ways on the Seahawks. But it's a Germany game, damn it. Yeah, it's in it's in it's in Germany. Um, this will be absolute chaos. I. It is going to be chaos. I I I don't know. It, it it could be good. It could be bad. I don't I don't know. Geno Smith is playing really well. I'll say that. But the I'm damn gonna, Seahawks are six and three, man. Wow. I'm I'm going Bucks. Give me the Bucks. They're Give going me. to go Hawks, baby. Oh, Seahawks. All right, Jim. Who you got? Hmm. You know, while you're pondering this, this is my thought. You know, NFL goes to Tom Brady and they go, hey, man, we just need one more favor out of you. Just be really awesome in Germany. Trying to market over there. (laughs) We just need you to do well. Can you do that? Tom's like, yeah, I got you. Did you see me play last week? We barely beat the Rams. Give Jim, me the Bucks. Who you got? Oh, you're gonna go Bucks? Wow, I thought you were gonna go Hawks for sure, but hey, you're trying to gain some ground. I can respect it. No, I actually yeah, I was actually gonna go Seahawks. It's, you sold me on the Bucks are gonna go over there and impress Germany, actually. There you go. I, 
telling you, just, just watch. Watch and wait. It's going to be awesome. All right, guys. Last call. Randy, what you got? Uh, Yeah, I want to talk about college baseball. Big part of the show, obviously. Perfect game, college recruiting rankings, class of 2023. Uh, finalized that today. Obviously, we'll just go over some, some top five. Arkansas, Vanderbilt, UCLA, Georgia Tech, Florida. But most notable to me is that 11 of the top 20 are all SEC schools in recruiting rankings for 2023. So, as we already know, the SEC is king in college baseball. It's almost not even fair. Like, it, so much, so many good teams. So oh, much and one more, one more quick thing. You know, uh, Jim and I, we divided and conquered a little bit of college baseball this weekend, but DB, to put it, uh, you know, a team you root for, the Memphis Tigers, played a game in Jackson at whatever they call it now. I will always call it Pringles Park. I think it's called like the Ballpark of Jackson or something boring like that. But a uh, really cool event. They had the exhibition. It was an 18-inning game. Um, they did like a 10-minute, 20-minute break in between. But the stadium was packed. It holds 6,000. Um, I don't know if they had quite 6,000, but I would I would venture to say they had over five. And uh, the Big Orange showed out in a big way, and they ended up winning like what was it, twenty three to three or yeah, twenty three to three. And uh, it was just a good day, a good day for Jackson, Tennessee. Let me ask you this: Was there any anything noteworthy that I mean, we all know what Tennessee brings to the table, but anything noteworthy that you saw from the Tigers? Yeah, anything to go go. Hey, man, like this is like new leadership new direction yeah. all right i can i can see something working here not yeah the new coaching staff was obviously notable i got a, a guy that i know pretty good friends with julian henson is also on the staff there as well and they had some hitters man i think that they were up against it with tennessee's pitching staff dolander came out throwing 97 out the gate that's tough to deal with but they did get to him and had two doubles in a row so i think the tiger it's gonna take him some time but they they got some talent over there pitching right. looked like a big problem for the tigers i mean if 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 anything's probably behind right now at this point in the season, it's probably, you know, going to be pitching only because um, if, if you don't have guys that throw 97 to 105, then you're probably going to have to rely on throwing a lot of fastballs and, and zoning up a lot of pitches. So you're probably Ben Joyce's hit. little brother looks just like Ben Joyce. And he's pretty good too, right? Throws it really hard. Really hard. Jim, last call. What do you got, man? Uh yeah. I was gonna talk about this Lakers game, but you know what? I know you don't care, but just so y'all know, Russ has led them back to a tie game. Um anyway, now uh LSU baseball. I want to talk about a specific player. Just just instead of talking about the team as a whole, y'all know what all do Paul Skeens because Randy started talking about, you know, the pitching and Dude, this guy comes in, his first pitch is 96. His second pitch is 97. His third pitch is 98. His fourth pitch is 99. At this point, I'm thinking because he's going up a mile every time, he's going to be pitching 110 here soon. Then throws in 78-mile-an-hour breaking balls. Anyway, just goes out there, um, makes – and it's McNeese State, but McNeese State ain't just terrible. Um, and you just makes them look silly. And the reason I bring him up is, you know, you know, Two-time two first-team All-American out of Air Force. He's coming in. It's going to be different playing in the SEC. But this guy, if he pitches the way that he clearly can pitch and he hits the way he can hit, 
guys, we're looking at the for real college Otani. And, you know, they talk about, rightfully so, they talk about Dylan Cruz and Tommy White, but the most talked about player on LSU this year might be Paul Skeens. Hey, if if he is able to do well half the things that you're saying that you saw him do, like, yeah, he's going to be the most talked about. And it's crazy to think that he could be the most talked about player on his team given – the guys that they have so let, let me ask you daniel is, is if you're an mlb guy and this and i'll let you we'll sign off um you know he he's he's in i forgot where he was at he was like somewhere around like 19 or 20 on on the draft board or whatever obviously you got our boys uh you got dolander and and cruz and gonzalez in the top three a guy with that caliber on both ends if he does what he's supposed to do I mean, is he, does he shoot to the top? I mean, it really depends on – I think, yes, he's going to move his way to the top, but it really depends on what people are valuing right now. Like, do they think that Otani is a sustainable, like, like piece? Like, what he does, like, is that sustainable to do both? Um, because what we might see is this might be the evolution of something new and a trend of something new of having these multi-way players come in and that's going to really change the game because right now there's only one guy that we can really like compare any of these drafts to and that guy's really fucking good and it's not fair to the draft picks to compare them to him because none of those guys are at that level yet um so it'll be interesting. I think he's more marketable. I think he's moves himself up the draft board for sure. But it's it how far up? I don't know. It just depends on the risk that they associate with taking a guy like him. Gotcha. But guys, another great episode. Uh, had a blast. Want to thank Connor Nolan for joining us. If you like hearing Connor's story, or you just like hearing us, average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like. Share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, loves, hugs, all that good stuff is always welcome. We'll see everybody back next episode. We got episode 28 coming at you. We're going to be talking Tennessee baseball with their star, Redmond Walsh. Randy, I know you're ready. You got the Tennessee hat. You're going to come ready to go. This has been the In Off the Bench Podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.